You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Got a lot to get to today. Who are the most important players in the SEC West that are not quarterbacks? Also, we'll have a final preview uh, of the season for Georgia. The Bulldogs come up last, uh, but they'll be probably close to first, and We've got all kinds of uh, news and notes from around the SEC, including uh, LSU. Ed Orgeron met with the media and also at Missouri. Got some injury issues there. And a player that you don't hear talked about a lot at Tennessee because they got a pretty good group of wide receivers. But this guy can catch a lot of passes as well from the tight end. Uh, position. I want to remind you, support of your Locked On SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools down there. Get 20% off and free shipping with the lock, the code Locked On at Manscaped.com. 20% at Manscaped.com with the promo code Locked On. Let's start with LSU as some coaches beginning to visit with the media as camp is opening. And uh, Ed Orgeron had a lot to say about his team and some guys that stood out this summer. What are you hearing out of Baton Rouge? Well, I think they've got a lot of expectations for a couple of young guys, along with a very good team that's coming back, of course. But John Emery is a guy that we've talked about a lot, Dave, the outstanding freshman running back. Remember, he was headed to Georgia and said, what? All those guys? I'm, I, I think I got a better uh, better path to playing at LSU. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a really good year, an experienced guy, but he's not special. This John Emery can be special. He could be the next big thing and feature guy. Um, so that's that's someone that they're really, really excited about. Now, Ed, Ed tends to kind of, you know, recruiting what he does and he tends to tell you how great, and there's maybe a little bit, you know, flowery expectations. This guy has a lot of talent. So I, all the talk about they're going to spread an RPO, they're going to have to run the football and, and really be good at doing that if they're, all this other stuff's going to work. And I think for them to be a special running team, two things have to happen. One, it always has to happen this way. The offensive line is going to have to perform better. And then John Emery is going to have to be a big factor. Uh, a guy to keep an eye out for because they've got some pretty good receivers. But there is a freshman, Trey Palmer, that really has had a good summer. He's uh, They've talked about him as someone who can contribute early. So um, I've talked a little bit about a couple of days ago about Stephen Sullivan and what he might be able to bring as a hybrid receiver tight end h I mean, he's 235 pounds, he's 6'7". So he's going to be a factor in, as a receiver more than a blocker. And they've not thrown the tight ends a whole lot. Foster Moreau was really good last year, but underutilized. They've said once again, oh, we're going we're gonna to run some spread. We're going to run some RPOs. We're going to work the tight ends. They've said that a lot. Uh, this kid's got some ability to help you. He's not an explosive playmaker but he can hurt you down the seam. And then the one thing I think that's been interesting that Ed has said is that Miles Brennan is going to play a lot this year, backup quarterback. So, all right, what does that really mean? Um, it's Joe Burrow's team. He's the starter. Uh, we all know that uh, a poor play could bench anybody, but 
If that happens, LSU's in big-time trouble because Joe Burrow's clearly the guy that is best able to lead this team from the quarterback position. But play Miles Brennan a lot says a couple of things. We're going to blow out people, and he's going to get a lot of action late, which he's not saying that, or which is the best way for him to play. Or they're going to have a package and have him play a series or two a game. Is that really the plan? Is that going to disrupt the flow? So, you know, Ed tends to be really good at, you know, love him. You know him. I've known him for years. But, you know, hey, go Tigers. And, oh, yeah, you're going to play. Everybody's going to play. Everybody's going to be great. That That's kind of Ed. Um, interesting to see. I, I don't know where Miles Brennan fits in in terms of a lot of snaps. Obviously, we're not talking injury. But, you know, we're going to play him in, in, in mop-up duty. Well, of course you're going to play him there. Of course you're going to play him if your number one quarterback goes down. He's the number two. But uh, I don't know that they're going to, with, with this offense, they're going to have a package for him and play uh, play him a little bit or not. So it'll be interesting. Look, there's a lot of expectations for LSU the, this year. It's a good team. I don't know if it's a great team. Uh, a lot of people maybe have higher expectations uh, in terms of the national perspective. Um, we'll see. Uh, it's uh, it, it's really going to depend upon where this offense can take them because I think defensively um, they can they can stand any game. Moving to Knoxville, look at Tennessee. A trio of wide receivers. With, let's assume Juwan Jennings is healthy, and then you got Josh Palmer, Marquez Callaway. It's a pretty good group. Now, a guy that they'd like to get more out of than uh, they did before, Dominic Wood Anderson uh, at uh, tight end. Your th- thoughts on uh him because uh, he really could make uh for a formidable formidable group of pass catchers if if he can if he can get open and catch the ball on occasion yeah i i like tennessee skill guys i worry a little bit about the line of scrimmage we've talked about that you've talked about that and that's been the concern obviously in east tennessee about where they're going to be and maybe that's the gap between them the biggest gap between them and, and the top of the East with, with the, looking up at Florida and looking up at Georgia, and perhaps maybe at this point looking up at maybe a, or a right um, near a couple of other programs. I, I think Dominic uh, Wood Anderson can be a real factor in the passing game. Again, I don't think he's a guy that's overly athletic. That's going to, going to cause a lot of problems in terms of being able to be matchup issues. But I think can be real effective as a check down option. That makes it all the more important. If you're going to have some protection issues, you're going to have to be able to get the ball out quick. And I think you can certainly work the tight end as a check down option. And I think Garantano is capable of doing it. The other thing that makes me look at his skill set and say, this has a viable chance to have a pretty productive year is Jim Chaney. Jim Chaney likes to use the tight ends. Um, that's a big part of what he does. You look at what he did at Georgia. Look what he's done everywhere. Look when he was at Tennessee. Boy, they, they, he likes to have it if, if a guy can do it. And I think this guy can be effective. So you're right. I think they can get people matched up a little bit in some 11 personnel, try to run out of it, and then obviously work the tight end. That can alleviate. That's, that's what you have to do when you're trying to build an offensive line and you don't have enough talent. The ball's got to come out quick. It's kind of like, Last year, probably the worst-looking offensive line in the major colleges was Florida State. And they couldn't i mean, they couldn't find their rear end with both hands, being able to figure out how to block people. Um, and to complicate matters, they were running five- and seven-step drops. and do, Well, you can't do that. I mean, you've got to 
you've got to get the ball out quick. Um, I think that's what Jim Chaney's going to do. And when you get the ball out quick, you slow down the pass rush a little bit to where you can work the five and step drop when you have to. But you can't always, you can't do it all the time. You know, people always say, I cannot understand. It's third and 12, and we threw a six-yard pass. Well, they threw a six-yard pass because they don't, they can't protect long enough to get the routes to progress deep enough, so they got to dump it off and have a guy run for it. So there's a lot of things that are into it. And staying on schedule, meaning having third and shorts is what they need to do, and I think one way you can do it is with the run game out of some spread looks. And obviously working the check down to the tight end in the passing game. Yeah, that sounds like the old John, John Madden saying. That's what he used to always say. Don't understand why you throw it short of the sticks. Missouri uh, with some injuries that, um, yeah, they don't, one seems in particular uh, to be impactful. Center uh, Jonah Dubinsky, uh, your thoughts on uh, the injuries there? Yeah, he's medically retired. Um, and he was. Um, he was the backup to the starter, uh, Tristan Colin Castile. So, um, you know, good kid, tough kid for him that he's, um, he's, uh, his career is over. Same thing with Jacob Trump. Uh, don't know of any relation. Um, he's medically retired there at linebacker. Um, and then a couple of guys that will be playing this year, but are going to be, um, uh, not starting uh, in, in, in the early fall practices. And that's the freshman safety is Mel Burdine with a shoulder injury, six, one, one seventy five. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be too bad. It's a depth issue and he's going to be back at some point during camp. And then the redshirt freshman, Kamari Thompson, the receiver has a little bit of a bum knee, six, one, two, 10 kid, good looking kid. Um, I think he, you know, he can be a reserve guy as well. But uh, just some updates as they head into practices um, coming up here uh, very soon, a few days. Coming up, the uh, most important players that aren't quarterbacks in the SEC West and a preview of the Georgia Bulldogs. Stay tuned more after this. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. It's hard to say a player, any player, is more important in today's game of football or maybe ever uh, than a quarterback. But there are players uh, that are are very, very important that don't take the snap. And I wanted to visit about players in the SEC West. Let's take out the quarterbacks because obviously there's some very important quarterbacks. But who are the players on each team, pardon me, in the SEC West that are the most important players to their team that do not play quarterback? Well, um, it's a really, it's a really int- intriguing question. Very good one. Let me say this: along with quarterbacks, um, having the guys that are the signal callers on defense, like your Mike Backer. Uh, from is the quarterback of the defense and certainly the guy that will make the checks in the secondary at safety um, on coverage adjustments. They have a lot more importance than I think people know. I mean, in other words, everyone knows the quarterback is, you know, making the adjustments. It's his responsibility. Um, So when you're talking about just the, you know, boy, you lose this guy. 
you know, people say, ah, linebacker, and he's a good player, but boy, he didn't have a lot of tackles or doesn't it? If he's a signal caller, that's, that's a bigger loss. Also for the offensive line, the center is extremely important for those reasons to help set the protections. So those positions are going to automatically go to kind of the top of the toughest to replace, uh, even though they may not be the most uh, talented players. So in in the degree of difficulty of replacing them, this is why you got to work so hard to make sure that you've got an alternate signal caller that can step in. So it may be the will backer that you may move to Mike because he can make the checks better than the backup Mike. Um, it may be a guard who is a little bit better in moving inside and, and maybe a little bit better at making the checks, or you keep them at guard and have them make the checks there, which can cause some other complications. But so I want to present that out there that that's the most important ones there in terms of you got the center and the quarterback <clears throat> safety and the Mike backer are the ones that are the more difficult to replace cerebrally in making decisions. With that said, we kind of take that out of the picture. If you look at the West, I still would say that a Dylan Moses at Mike would be very, very uh, difficult for Alabama to replace. Um, I think that for LSU, I, I think a guy like a young guy like John Emery would be very difficult uh, to replace as well. Um, I, I think that um, on, on, on you know for. Um, Mississippi State, uh, it's probably you're looking at a, a defender that can have an impact. Maybe a guy like Cameron Dantzler, who allows them to change up their coverages a little bit. He comes to mind as, as an alternate player that could, uh, that could fit into that category. I, I think, you know, to me, at a place like Arkansas would be a McAlvin Aiken. Uh, uh, he's, he's the, he's the, uh, an elite defender that without him there's a big drop off there's a drop off if you lose any player of that caliber on any team but you know you've got other places where I think that there's uh other options to go to whereas I don't think there's as good of an option um you know for Arkansas it's a huge drop off you know for Texas A&M you know, I think it's really interesting. It probably is going to be a defender. Um, you know, I would probably say Justin Matabuke. I think he can be a key figure in their defensive front, and I think it hurts them a little bit, uh, quite a bit, actually, if he's gone. Um, I think for Auburn, it's, it's interesting because I would – the first guy that comes to mind would be Derek Brown because I think he may be is – you know, you're talking about the best players in the SEC. They say, who's the best player in the SEC? Well, everybody's going to go to, well, it's Tua. It's Fromm. It's Swift. It's, you know, it's it's Judy. Those are good candidates. I, I would say that with them, maybe even above them in some areas, Derek Brown and Grant Delpit of Auburn and LSU are as good of players as they are in the SEC. I think if you take a Grant Delpit or a Derek Brown off of Auburn, you, you just it can't help but have that affected. 
for Ole Miss, boy, I you know I I think that uh, it could be a Scotty Phillips. I don't I think if they can't run the football, they're going to be dead because I don't think they're good enough defensively. They're going to have to scheme people a bunch. I think they're going to be behind be behind a lot. I would say he and and maybe somebody like Benito Jones. Um, those are those are the guys in the West on each team that uh, they're certainly not the only importance, but maybe would would stand out as impact players um, that you know really really are important. And if they lose them, they're going to have to make some substantive adjustments to how they're going to play uh, around the missing pieces of those guys. Yep, there you go. So there certainly are some. Uh, important players, and uh, typically uh, I can imagine you go with the quarterback of the defense, but guys like Derek Brown certainly are special. A Georgia preview. Can the dogs finally topple the tide? We'll talk about that right after this. You're locked on SEC football podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Let's talk Georgia Bulldogs. We preview each and every team. Dogs last on the docket. Is this the year that Georgia does it? Is this the year that Alabama falls? I think I know where you stand on that, but how close are the Bulldogs to making that happen? Really close. In fact, I think they've proven it the past couple of years. Um, Quickly, we'll run down the roster because I want to talk a little bit kind of where the overall program is, has been. We know that they are very good at quarterback. Backup quarterback is a concern as it is for others. Uh, running backs are ridiculously good, ridiculously deep. Uh, we know about the thin nature of the receivers. There's some talent. Well, uh, speaking of important guys, Demetrius Robinson, the Cal transfers, going to be big. That's that's one area there. The tight end, they're going to miss Isaac Nodding getting play there. But that's that's maybe the one question mark. Offensive line, my goodness, maybe the best in the country. Defensive line for all their great recruiting, that's where they've not they've not been as good recruiting that position as some of the others. Uh, but they're still pretty good. I mean, I think that um, you know Travon Walker is going to help them. Um, it's it's a good group. It's it's a, relatively speaking, it's not as good as their linebackers. It's not as good as their secondary. But this defense is going to be really good. This offense will be really good. Uh, if you look at their schedule, everyone on their schedule, Notre Dame, Florida, Auburn, A&M, they've got a better roster than all those teams. They do not, nor have they had the better roster when you compare them to Alabama. And I think that's important to know. Because the last two times they've played, Georgia's had the lead for something like all but two minutes in the combined two games. I mean, they had the lead and controlled the game, and we know they couldn't finish. And that's the, well, they don't know how to win. They're not good enough yet. You know, I will submit to you that from a roster standpoint, Alabama should have won both of those games. And I think if... Alabama had won those games by, you know, seven points, you know, four to seven points. It's probably about where their roster is, you know, just a little bit better than Georgia. But the fact that Georgia 
in the eyes of, and listen, rightly so, blew both games. They think coaching mistakes, whatever. In other words, I don't think Kirby gets credit for coaching them up a little bit to the point where they could have won the game and gets criticized for the fact they couldn't finish. Hey, welcome to coaching. That's fine. But I just want to point that out, that we can talk to the – the Kyle's come home, how great Georgia's recruiting has been, and it has been great. It's not been better than Alabama's. It's not been quite as good as Bama's. Now, I know. You say, oh, but two years ago, the websites had uh, Georgia ranked ahead of Alabama. That, that, that doesn't make them better. The roster at Alabama is better than Georgia's. Not by a lot, but it's better. I think it's one of the great jobs I've seen and, and first of all, I thought the program was left in really good shape in terms of um, talent level. But I'm going to tell you, uh, that first year, Kirby came there, a little bit of a, a, a culture, culture and work ethic, a toughness adjustment. I, don't, I think the program was a little bit soft at times in the, in the, the latter stages under Mark. Had those issues, remember a couple of games that just didn't, they didn't show up and disappeared. They struggled to beat Nickel State and all those things. But look at how good a job Kirby's done in a short order to get this program at an elite level. Um, I mean, he maybe inherited a better – he definitely inherited a better program than Nick Saban did at Alabama. But he's got him there faster than Nick, you know, at, at, the, at a level. Now, he hasn't got him to the championship. I get that. I think they're – an SEC championship contender, a national title contender. They lose some key guys. Whiteout, as I mentioned, is an issue. But, you know, they're reloading. They're really good. It's unbelievable what they've done in recruiting. It is a – I mean, it's incredible. He's come in philosophically and done the same thing they did at Alabama. They've got more analysts and more support staff people than Alabama does. Kudos to the administration for saying – you build it like you want, support them, and I think he's getting it done for him and paying dividends. Uh, you know, they're going to, as I said, question marks at receiver, a little bit concerned uh, at, at center to some degree. Uh, I just think Zamir White, James Cook are unbelievable, and we all know that obviously Swift is a guy that everyone's talking about. I, I think they've got – rotation strength and elite qualities. I, I don't know that if you put those three backs, I, I mean, they're in the conversation of the three best backs in the league. I mean, they're, they're just in that short order. Very, very good. Um, Jake Fromm is very good. He is more intuitive and sees the field better even than Tua. He's not as physically gifted. But he is really good from the neck up, and he does a good job running the offense. That goes to the one thing that's probably not talked about a lot. Jim Chaney basically was kind of in, encouraged to look at opportunities. That That's why he went to Tennessee and got a great deal, and that's a great move for Tennessee. They wanted to do something a little different offensively. James Coley was promoted has a better feel for the passing game. They want to do a little bit more in terms of spreading you out. Um, how much of that, how that's going to work. First-time play caller, don't underestimate. Uh, that. That's not 
as easy as you think. But this team is really, really good, and I think their chances of kind of getting there has been better than at any time. And, and let's remind folks, under Mark Rick, Georgia, there again, had Alabama on the ropes in the SEC championship game. And had they won that game, which Alabama did, Georgia would have probably decisively beaten Notre Dame for the national championship. Mark Rick would have had his title, and who knows? Probably would have stayed at Georgia, never left to go to Miami, and probably would have just retired at Georgia. And <clears throat> maybe, maybe you know, they'd be figuring that out now. Who knows that dynamic, how that might have changed. Would, would then Kirby have gone to South Carolina, who, who wanted him before they hired Will? We can always play that game. It's always fun to see what would have happened if. But the, I've gotten a lot of questions of, well, what's the difference between Kirby and Mark Rick? Well, Kirby hadn't gotten over the top. Mark was close. He couldn't get it done. Folks, I think if you if you see the same thing, if you think it's the same, you, you, you're just not watching it or you just don't know what you're watching. Because what I saw consistently under Mark was – an up and down performances, uh, sometimes a lot of lacking of mental focus, sometimes definitely underachieving. I mean, I thought that they had the best roster in the East a, a, a couple of times and didn't win it under Mark. For that matter, under Jim Donnan, were really good and, and couldn't get it done. Whereas I think that Kirby has, you know, won a title. Uh, conference title, lost, you know, um, one and been into the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, they haven't gotten over the top, but in terms of achieving to the level of their ability, they've done that. I mean, the only game I can say, you know, considering the, the second year, he hadn't been there that long, is going to Baton Rouge last year, and they weren't really – they weren't together. They didn't play well. They weren't very well organized. And, and, and LSU kind of knocked them around a little bit. Outside of that first year where there were some growing pains, when has Georgia not really stepped up and played to their ability level or, in some cases, a little bit above? People might say, well, I'll tell you, against Alabama, they couldn't finish. Well, no, they, they didn't finish. But, I, again, we'll submit that. Alabama's more talented, and the fact that Georgia had control of both games and didn't win it is both a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing that they didn't back down from Bama. They had the answers against Bama to the point where they had a great chance to win it because they didn't. People are going to look at that. People look at the results only, and they don't really understand what creates it. What I say is, look – I thought he upcoached them to the point where Alabama's a little bit better and they outplayed Bama in both games but couldn't finish the deal. So, again, you can look at it as a blessing, as a curse. Now, Dave, if we're talking about, you know, them underachieving and maybe they lose two games this year, Florida outcoaches them and wins the East, then that's a fair discussion. Well, they've underachieved a little bit. Uh, If they go and they – you know, I, 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 I expect them to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. But without knowing the injury status of that game, if, if that were to 
play out that way, I'd expect Alabama to win. Why? I think they're more talented. So I don't, I don't think they've underachieved with maybe like the exception of the LSU game last year, which, by the way, might have been the difference between them making the playoffs or not. But that's kind of how I see Georgia. I, I think there should be optimism. And I know everybody's saying, hadn't won since 1980 and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, this is the year. I don't know if this is the year or not. I think they're going to have many of this is the years under Kirby Smart personally. Yeah, it, this is definitely a different Georgia team than under Mark Rick. I don't, I don't think there's any question. I mean, they've gone toe to toe with the, the greatest team of this uh, generation. You, you can, you can play the records game if you want to, but no, far, far different team. So that wraps up our preview of all the uh, SEC teams. If you want to go back over the podcast and listen to the preview of your favorite team, you can certainly do that. So. At your Locked on SEC Football podcast. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear what you have to say about the podcast.